It's been six weeks, Mark Dunnigan. It has, yes. <laughs> six weeks, busy weeks. Busy weeks. And there was a cool story that came in today that I am going to spring on you. Not that it has anything related, and it may, it may have something related to what we're going to talk about, but it was just something amazing that came... Via text really yesterday, my friend Heather Ladd was super excited that something had happened. And so she's like, can I call you? We were on our way to Tarpon Springs to show our house guest, Ryan Billington, you know, that cool little fishing village. So I'm like, I will keep you posted when I have time for this. So finally, finally, we got in touch today. So here's what happened to Heather Ladd. So her and her family had flown into Athens, Alabama. You know, her husband, her children are all there to attend the memorial for a grandfather. And so they're staying at a hotel. They have the memorial. They get back to the hotel late, they're tired, and she realizes the, the clothing that she thought she was going to be able to have the kids wear to worship the next day really were in, uh, yeah, not in a condition wherein, you know, they should be worn to worship. So she's like, I got to do some laundry. So she goes down, washing machines are broken or something. And so this super helpful employee assists her and says like listen I'll do this for you I'll let you know when I'm done and she's I guess her mother had also been talking to this um, employee and so she's like great and so you know a couple hours later you know this laundry is done and everything and she was just so so grateful that she wanted to give her a copy of your fresh start the book that we often hand out as a thank you when we connect with really beautiful people all over the country to share God with them. And so she asked me, hey, we're right next to CEI, this Bible bookstore. Do they carry your book? And I'm like, I have no idea. So she grew up around there. So she knows the people down there. So they have time. She wants to gift some kind of book to this very helpful employee. So she goes down to CEI and she's like, do you have your fresh start? They're like, no, but we will certainly stock those now that we have just found out about them. And so she's like, well, what could you suggest? And so I think there was a book called Heaven that was written by someone that Heather actually had respected as an author. And so she picks that up. She's like, you know what? I want to also pick up a gift Bible for this person. And do you have one of those $3, you know, little Bibles? And they're like, no, we're, we're fresh out of those. But we do have Bibles in the back that we call misprints. And so these have been embossed with names for some reason or another didn't work out for the person who had ordered them. So she goes back to get this one Bible that they have that's been embossed with a name and comes back with it and says, you know, we're going to just, if you're just giving this out, we're going to gift it to you. Heather looks down and she sees that the Bible that they've just gifted her is embossed with the exact name of the girl that she wanted to gift it to at the hotel. No way. No way. <laughs> me and Bella. Me and Bella. You and Bella? Fell off the, Your our chairs. chairs. Okay. Yes. yes. And she's scrambling here. Yeah. I had goosebumps because I could tell when, when she starts to tell the part of the story where she's going back to get a Bible that, you know, has, I'm like, I think I know where this is going, but... Wowie, kazowie, Mark. I love when this happens because mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the best kind of thing about this, because we have stories, we have a podcast called Things That Make Us Go, hmm, mm -hmm. where right. we have had amazing, like, what are, well, what are the chances kind of situations like that. The best part of these kinds of situations is that when you do give the Bible with your little note, and your book about heaven to this soul that you just met mm -hmm. that you want to reach out to, 
and you tell her the story. Yes. Hopefully she believes you. Like, yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. So I, if I was the recipient, I'm going down to double check this story. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, because people don't know Heather Ladd is, you know, salt of the earth honest. Those are the stories you get when you travel and interact yeah. with people. And there's a lot more stories than we realize that are like. There are. And let's track them. Let's write them down. Let's take note. Let's share them because. That would make another interesting book. Absolutely. And I guess there's a podcast out there. Maybe I'll try to share it in the description section of this podcast. A podcast that Heather sent to me today that was really about people's conversions and Mm -hmm. how they came across God. So much providence out there. Just keep your eyes open, you Mm -hmm. know. None of that would have happened if she hadn't been friendly and outgoing to this beautiful soul that she's hoping to get to know well, better. How about this? Wanting her kids to have clean clothes for worship the next day. How about <laughs> exactly. That? It kind of starts there too, doesn't it? Sometimes it's just a simple thing. And and right when she gets home too, there she gets an invitation to go back for her class reunion. She's like, oh, that's, you know, in that same area. So she's really looking forward to hopefully spending some time with this person that she just really enjoyed and wanted to do a good work too. So where are we today, Mark? First Thessalonians chapter, chapter two. two. Yes, we are. All right. Well, let's jump in for the scripture hike. Would you mind reading Mark verses one through 12? First Thessalonians chapter two. And I think we're going to go one through 12. All right. For this particular Perfect. podcast. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our reception among you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been treated abusively in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not intending to please people, but to please God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek honor from people, either from you or from others, though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. In the same way, we had a fond affection for you and were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our labor and hardship. It was by working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, that we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You're witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly and rightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Beautiful. If you would look at this chapter, a simple outline would be uh, the first 12 verses are Paul's preaching among them. That is, here's how Paul behaved. Here was his motivation. Mm -hmm. And here's how... He was very unselfish. Now, the second part that we'll get to another podcast is basically how they received it, how they reacted oh, to I it. Oh, I see. Starting about chapter 13. That is they Verse 13? It as the, yeah. Verse 13, they accepted it as the word of God. They accepted it in spite of persecution and hardship. 
And then the end of the chapter is, here's why I haven't been able to come back okay. since. All right. That's very helpful. All right. So digging into the very first part of what you read, it says, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. So does that imply that sometimes some of the, our work is in vain? I mean, I know that 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So what do we make of this? Maybe two things. I think what it means is that when Paul showed up and preached there, there were results. Yeah. Uh, a, a strong church was established, and even though Paul had to leave town quickly, he left a good congregation there. Now, the passage you gave us in 1 Corinthians 15 is a great passage, and I think that's always true, no matter whether people respond to your efforts or not, mm-hmm. it's never in vain for you. Oh, okay. But in the book of Galatians, Paul told the Galatians, I'm afraid oh, right. that I labored over you in vain. Right. So the vainness, you might say, yeah. can be on the other person. If gotcha. you hear the gospel and reject it, then, yeah, that's that's in vain. Yeah, we really want those who labor among us to be thankful for having taken the time to invest in us, right? Because of the fruit that we bear to his glory. Yeah, I think there is a sense that we need to make sure that we don't discourage people in the kingdom of God that are working incredibly hard. Those who are serving evangelists, elders, Bible class teachers, deacons, etc., I mean, the book of Hebrews says it would be unprofitable for us if we're doing something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So then verse two says, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi. So is there a record of that? That's interesting. Here's one of those places where the epistles, uh-huh. the letters written after the book of Acts. Yeah. Fit perfectly with the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, Paul comes to Philippi. Uh-huh. Um, he casts out the demon in the servant girl. The masters are angry. Okay. Basically, his rights as a Roman citizen are denied him. There's no real trial. And so you have that word shamefully treated. Yeah. Um, and that was a public record. Uh-huh. And so before Paul shows up in Thessalonica, it's almost like the word has gone ahead of him. Of, yeah. Man, they treated this guy really bad in Philippi. Mm-hmm. I remember in First Peter 4.12, it says not to be surprised at the fiery ordeal that came upon them for their testing as though some strange thing were happening. And it's just interesting to me that that seems to be Paul's attitude here when he says, because even though they had suffered and were mistreated, it says that they, it goes on to say, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. It just seems like it helps if you know that this is likely coming to be able to push through. Yeah, that is an excellent point. It's interesting here that Paul's shamefully treated. He's beaten his feet are in stocks. Mm-hmm. And yet he doesn't say, well, boy, I better quiet down. Right. I better I better tone it down. In fact, I think they asked him to leave town and he said, no, you come and like you come and tell me to my face. Wow. You know? Yeah. And so That's if bold. anything... <laughs> And the word bold here means to speak freely, okay. openly, frank, plainless of speech with courage. And in Acts chapter 17, when he shows up uh, in Thessalonica, he is there in the synagogue speaking boldly. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And you've often made this really good point, Mark, that opposition is never an indication of God's dissuasion away from a spiritual opportunity, right? Correct. That it's not like, oh, hard things are happening. This must not be God's will for my life. It looks like God wants me to be doing something else. Correct. Yes. Too, too many people make the mistake of mm, this is not going well. Uh -huh. I'm getting a lot of flack for this. Maybe this is what I should not be doing. Right. No, if it's the truth, you need to be doing that. And it's qualified here. We're bold in our God. And so uh, okay. we give God the credit. It's not just that. Look how courageous I am. Right. It's what what spurred him on to boldness was I have the truth. Great it's the point. gospel of God. And people need this, mm -hmm. and no one's going to silence me. Love it. All right. So then he says, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. What does that mean? Ooh, that's an interesting passage. So exhortation would be like persuasive discourse. Okay. And I think he's calling his preaching here, or his mm -hmm. teaching, mm -hmm. exhortation. And so... The gospel is more than just a message about certain facts. It's a message that demands urgent action. Oh, that's a good point. You, there's something to apply to your life. Now, a, yeah, like yeah, right now. A call to action. So I think what he's saying is the motivation behind his preaching is not error. That is deception, delusion. So and error can be an accident, right? Whereas impurity or deceit is more of an intentional Correct. Error. Yeah. So we have error there. Then we have, I think, some translations have what? Impurity. I, impurity. That would be, I think, unworthy motives. Okay. Like ambition, pride, greed. Which is a kind of, the, the last one is by way of deceit. Right. And so, or, or guile. Yeah, craft. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to try to mislead you. Gotcha. So what, what I like here is that Paul didn't try to, what we might say, induce conversions like there's no sort of sh uh, showmanship mm. that we're not selling something mm -hmm. uh we're not like well hey whatever it takes to get him a christian lie to him whatever we're not selling a timeshare here you know like whatever it takes to get him to sign on the dotted line do it tell them whatever they wanted to hear so he's talking about bait and well, switch and all that yeah so when he shows up it's like it's not error it's the truth it's pure motives. There's no deception. Mm -hmm. In fact, everything's incredibly upfront, particularly the cost of you got to pick oh, up your cross daily. Yeah, this is so, not going to be easy. Yeah. So anyone that heard Jesus or Paul preach and obeyed it could not later on say, wait a minute, they kind of didn't give me all the yeah. heads up on the real cost of this. The cost is there placed clearly. Mm -hmm. up front. Mm -hmm. Verse 4 says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, wow. <laughs> that's, that's an in incomprehensible honor, isn't it? To be well, approved by yeah, God to for, be entrusted with the gospel. For imperfect people to be entrusted <laughs> yes. like ourselves. But God says, I'm going to entrust it to you. Mm -hmm. um, approved by God. And so they had passed God's scrutiny. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, one writer said, we came to you as tested men. And part of that, at least for them, would be that Paul could work miracles as an apostle. And so that would clearly tell you, okay, this man has passed the test. Oh, yeah, he is from God. God approves of him. So, but the idea that you're entrusted, if you're a Christian, you're entrusted with the gospel, that's a, that's a heavy thing to consider because it's like, okay, you know the truth. Now, are you going to tell people the truth? Are you going to pass it on faithfully? 
Or are you going to tweak it? Are you going mm. to water it down? Right. So that people will kind of take it easy on you when they hear it. Because it is not going to fly with a lot of people. And a lot of You're going to get every reaction. Which kind of leads to this next phrase. So we speak not as pleasing men. Yeah, I mean, not the satisfy men. And even if they were, Mark, talk about the impossibility anyway of doing that on any consistent basis when you think about, talk about a moving target, mm-hmm. pleasing men, like which men at what point, you know, yeah, can't be done anyway. So he's speaking not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, there's a, that's a common temptation. Uh, we find that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter one, verse 10, you know, hey, if I was pleasing men, I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. Second mm-hmm. um, Timothy 4 talks about people that want to have their ears tickled. Um, what does that mean? Well, tell me what I want to hear. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, it feels good. Yeah. Isaiah 30 verse 9 has the people of Israel telling the prophets, prophesy to a smooth mm, things. You can keep your girlfriend. Yeah, things that are easy That's to the best. digest. Um, things that don't require that we change. Prophesy to us illusions. Mm-hmm. Give us a fantasy. Give, mm-hmm. give us a fantasy world. And Jesus even noted about the Pharisees that everything they did, they did to try to gain the favor of other human beings. Yeah. And so the book of Proverbs talks about the fear of man. The fear of man is a snare. Yeah. And so that, that, that's a real thing out there. But, and, and not only is that true of like people that preach the gospel, that's true of anybody that is. Uh, what's your own motivation? Why do you believe what you believe? Is it because it's safe? Mm-hmm. Is it because you get a lot of likes? Is it because you get a pat on the back? Or is it because it's the truth? And so the contrast there is we don't please men. Mm-hmm. We don't really care what men think. Yeah. And men are valuable. Well, the other thing I'm impressed with in this verse too, Mark, is that it shows that God is pleasable. He speaks to please God. So a lot of people like to paint God as unpleasable, like, oh, so I have to be perfect always to please God? Well, Great point. Yes, God can be pleased. And uh, I mean, you look at scripture and it's not like the people that fall out of disfavor from God are like, man, they were doing everything perfect except just one little, little thing. No, it, that, that's not the storyline. Uh-huh. And so the aim of the teacher, aim of the Christian, should be to please God, Second Corinthians 5, verse 9. And then it says, who proveth or who discerns or examine the hearts. Yes, so, mine says, who examines our hearts? I mean, that's the reason why you want to please him. He can see what's going on even behind your actions. So there's no fooling him. And I like what someone said. If God's not pleased, we've accomplished nothing. (laughs) Yeah. We might have a building full of people, but if Mm -hmm. God's not pleased, we have a building full of lost people. Mm -hmm. No wonder that he commands us in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, as part of taking the Lord's Supper every week, that we examine our own hearts. You know, if he's going to examine our hearts, the best thing we can do is examine our own hearts to prepare for his examination so that we can clear our hearts of any insincerity. All right. So verse five says, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. Mm, Interesting language. I like the phrase at any time. Never once did we try this. Mm -hmm. So the whole period of time that Paul was with them, never, absolutely Mm -hmm. never did we seek to flatter anybody. Well, and that's consistent with what the goal is, because first Timothy one five says 
that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. So exploitation is never the goal. <laughs> right. So he's not trying to butter anybody up. He's mm -hmm. not adjusting the message to suit the preferences of the hearer. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to be buddy-buddy with the different important people in town. Yeah. Then he said, nor a cloak of covetousness okay. or a pretext for greed. Yes. And so Paul here says, the teaching I did was not like a cover for an underlying greed that is like, you know, I'll do a good talk about how we need to be unselfish, but what I really want is money at the end of the day. Paul is saying here, I did not pretend to serve while in reality wishing to be served. Okay. That's not what is going on here. I love the next phrase, God is witness. This is one of those t-shirt, <laughs> I would wear that t-shirt, God is witness. I mean, that's the reason why we're going to, examine our hearts that's why we're going to make sure we have pure motives for everything that we're doing because god is witness always and he alone knows the true condition of our hearts so when, when paul talks about what he did not do that also admits that that's something that other people do do and mm -hmm. so like there are false teachers and second peter chapter 2 says they're going to make merchandise of you you know, they're going to exploit you, you know, watch your pockets. And Paul said, that's not the way we behave. Yeah, it, as if there's no God, as if God is not witness. He sees everything. Yeah, it is simply the height of foolishness to somehow think that God doesn't see your inner life or your true motivation. Mm -hmm. So it's best to come clean. Come clean, dude. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. I like that. <laughs> we weren't seeking esteem or praise or applaud from anybody. Not only you, there was no hunger for compliments. I like uh -huh. that, that. Well, remember in Matthew 6, 1 through 2, such brings no true reward anyway, right? True. You have a reward in full. If you're going after human praise. That's all you get. Then that's all the praise you get. That cancels out any praise from yep. God. I like the statement over in Luke. It says, woe when all men speak well of you. Right. Uh, so it's not, not, if you're not looking for praise and you happen to get some encouragement. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But you yourself know your motives. Then it goes on to say, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. You know, a little coercion. Yeah. I mean, they were certainly deserving of great respect. They mm -hmm. were apostles of Christ. They yeah. were men that Jesus, that God in the flesh had selected. Yeah. It's cool in the next few verses here how he chooses a super persuasive approach. And he didn't throw his weight around, even though he said, I have divine authority. Yeah. I mean, I'm speaking by divine authority, mm -hmm. you know. But his goal, <laughs> his goal is to change the hearts of people or to change, yeah, the behaviors of people to the glory of God. And he knows the thing that's more persuasive is exactly the approach he takes. So verse 7 is that approach that says, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives. What are your thoughts? Well, that's a very powerful uh, image uh, as yeah. uh, you know, mother caring for her own children. And so it really, 
first of all, in the midst of you, Paul was right there among them, and he did not elevate himself, and he did not like, oh, you got to serve Paul. Let's make sure Paul's happy that Paul has what he wants. Mm-hmm. Paul's there as a servant. Paul's there almost, you know, someone as a parent taking care of children. Yeah, and uh-huh. he's really giving them the most life-sustaining gift that can be imparted from one human to another, the gospel, right? Yeah, so Paul's there, and I think also it's not only gentle, it's servant. Mm-hmm. Mothers are servants. Mm-hmm. Mothers serve. Amen to that, dude. Couldn't agree more. But also our own lives. So he's he's also imparted to them. What does he mean that he imparted to them his own life? Well, a couple of things here. It's really neat that he says, being affectionately desirous of you. That okay. is, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. Mm-hmm. He really loves them very, yeah, very he deeply. Really loves them. He lo- and not only that, but it was his joy, not only like to teach them and, and preach and things like that. He enjoyed sharing the gospel with others. It was uh-huh. not like, got to do that. And I got to talk to those people. got to teach those people. But he says, it was my joy to spend ourselves out for you. Mm-hmm. Like a mother. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that is exactly what's at the heart of, but also our lives. That's what mothers do, and that's what Paul did for this church, that he worked in order to open the opportunity to share God's truths with them. Yeah, 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen talks about, I will most gladly spend myself out for you. Mm-hmm. And so instead of showing up and everyone running around and serving Paul, or like they serve some religious leaders today, 24-7, oh, yeah. right? Paul is there with his sleeves rolled up, uh-huh. just burning the midnight oil. Oh, burning yeah. Burning the midnight oil. Definitely. And that basically, I think, comes out in the very next verse, mm-hmm. in verse so 9. He, yeah, so he had bec- they had become very dear to him. I just wanted to note that how much bonding happens where there is sacrifice. I mean, we bond with those that we serve. And so that's a bonus, that love is multiplied, you know, during this brotherly love. Yeah. Is multiplied. You know, if you have a hard time serving, giving of yourself, maybe the real issue is I need to love people more, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. because it just seems like that you are very dear to us. That that's part of the reason. This is one of the reasons why it was so easy to spend ourselves out for you is because you were very dear to us. We really loved you. Yeah. And this verse nine kind of, you've made a little bit of reference to this for you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day. So ask not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. He keeps bringing it back to you remember mm-hmm. and i like that like mm-hmm. again the, the thessalonians could testify to all of this they, yeah god was witness and they were also witnesses because they had been there and i just like the idea that paul says we're not going to rewrite history here you guys um and it looks like we got some false teachers out there that are trying to rewrite history yeah and say like oh paul's into himself and blah 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 and it's like wait a minute what really happened you remember, you remember how we behaved among you. Mm-hmm. And so there's labor. And not only that, but in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, 3 through 4, we learn there that Paul not only preached, but he made tents. And so he's okay. like he's working two jobs. Right. And then he says working night and day, you know, like beginning before dawn and working after dark. And, and he's saying, and, and I did not want to be a burden. Yeah. To anyone, even though he had a right to be financially supported, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Yes, I made note of that too. Verse 11 says, if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you, unquote? 
So does this mean, Mark, that sometimes, depending on the situation, he may preach the gospel in an area supporting himself by building tents, and then in other situations, then he allows the people that he's teaching to help financially support him? Correct. Here, it's interesting when you read Philippians chapter Uh 4, the congregation in Philippi sent him money. Oh, okay. So there's another congregation helping him. Okay, helping him out. To, so he's preaching in Thessalonica because the Christians in Philippi are, are financially supporting are him. covering some of his expenses. Okay. Yeah, besides with probably his tent making and mm-hmm. things like that. It sometimes depend on the situation. Here you have in Thessalonica, brand new church, brand new Christians. Mm-hmm. You're not there that long. Yeah. I'm just kind of remembering after I did my lecture mm-hmm. At Florida College, several women came up to me and, and said, hey, can you come speak for us? And I said, yes. And they were like, well, we'll fly you in. And I told them, hey, you know what? We'd like to have you keep as much of your money as possible. We'll just, we're going to come through in the spring or in the fall. Maybe one of those will work. And then that saves the airfare and the church can keep. So whatever you can do <laughs> to help churches keep their finances for, you know, where maybe it may be needed more, you know, where you can maybe contribute sometimes out of your own pocket and other times, you, you know, you really do need some food and gas and etc. to keep going and doing your work. But verse 10 mm-hmm. says, you are witnesses and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Yeah. Again, they were there and God saw it all. In spite of what, in spite of what, the the rumors that the false teachers are trying to spread. Yeah. Like Paul's into himself and Paul's oh. only into it for the money. And yes. You always have that. You just got to live above it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the importance, yeah of, yeah, of living. Personal integrity, right? Right. Of living the most blameless life you can live because you will be, if you're a Christian, you will be falsely accused. People love to see somebody crash and burn. That's their favorite. In, well, out in because the world. I think it makes people feel better about their own faith. Ah, now I don't have to do the things that he was saying that God says that I right. need to do. Right. Yes. Lack but, of personal integrity. It undermines everything an evangelist has proclaimed. Because the truth is, actions truly do speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. All right. 11 says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his children. Yeah, we've talked about the nurse or the nursing mother. And yes. now we talk about the father. Okay. And not that Paul was Father Paul. <laughs> oh, okay. Not, oh, it's not a religious title. Yeah, it's it's not clergy. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus in Matthew 23 mm-hmm. verse 9 says, call no man father, that in a religious sense. Paul, as though it's kind of using the imagery of, you know, the way that a father would spend time exhorting his kids. Yeah. That's the same way I dealt with. I dealt with you. Very loving but truthful way. Yes. And so these three words, Mark, what's the difference between exhorting and encouraging and imploring? I mean, that's not all the same thing, is it? Well, there might be some just different angles Subtle. there. Okay. I, I think of encouraging being a little bit more positive. Okay, heartening and exhorting. Yeah. Like you could be more. Yeah, urging. Now, now we we should take that as encouragement. Yeah. But when someone says you can be more than you are right oh, now, let's tell them thank you very much for telling me. You're absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> and then the imploring? word testifying here. Yeah, imploring. I have. Yeah, a, a, making a solemn, emphatic affirmation or a 
demand. Okay. Serious words. Slightly begging? Is that what it is, sort of? I don't know. I think it's a little bit more of, it has a little bit more of a rebuke in it. All right. So whatever it takes to pull people from self-destruction, it looks like Paul was willing to do. And so verse 12, our last verse says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I like one translation says to the end uh, or so that. Oh, okay. And here's here's like the direction. Here's the goal. Here's the goal. It's a real goal. It's a real possibility. Kind of yes. like with uh, God's not requiring the impossible of mm-hmm. you. He can be pleased. Walk would conduct your life. Yes. Worthy of God is live in such a way that brings honor to God, honor to the like the importance of the gospel. Let's live your lives in a way that demonstrate that you value and have properly weighed the significance and importance of what God has done for you. Yeah. I love that. Love yeah, that. Th- yeah. Does your life, like on a scales, uh-huh. say, I take the death of Jesus very seriously. Yeah. It's a treasure. And he deserves our best efforts in resisting temptation and taking the high road, you know, making yeah. those sacrifices. Our sacrifices cannot compare to his sacrifices. It's worth it. And he deserves that we don't offer excuses. Mm. And so then who calleth, and God calls all men through the gospel. That's the Mm -hmm. means by which he calls men. And he is still calling men through the gospel to this day. And that call, if you accept it, leads to his kingdom. And presently the kingdom on earth is the body of Christ or the church. Right. But there's also that kingdom has a future destiny. Absolutely. So there's a there's the heavenly kingdom as well. Yeah, I was thinking of First Peter two nine that says, um, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you." There's the called, <laughs> who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Is, is there anything more beautiful than that, Mark? He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light what a calling it is and so that results in you're part of god's kingdom now and then it says and and glory is that god Mm -hmm. actually wants us to share his glory share in his victory enjoy the quality of life that he experiences you might say dwell in a place surrounded by glory Mm -hmm. Um, and the glory here has to include the new resurrected body Mm -hmm. Uh, that's going to be glorious as well. So Christians have a glorious future. When we look back upon this chapter, it really is clear as far as we have no physical picture of Paul, but you really do get a picture of Paul and, and mm-hmm. some of it's positive and some of it's presented as what I did not do. But certainly Paul was not a charlatan. Absolutely. He, he, he was not an imposter, a poser, a fake or a flake. He was not some smooth talker that came into town and left with people's money in his pocket and unfulfilled promises. That would have been Paul's kingdom. <laughs> yes. He was into God's kingdom and mm-hmm. God's glory. So, yeah, that's the choice. We either either have these selfish little kingdoms of our own where we're looking for our own glory or we're looking to promote the kingdom that's eternal and God's own glory. And so what what I'm impressed by is that the apostles were accessible. I mean, nobody today holds a position that an apostle holds. Okay. And yet 
everyone could talk to them. And they were out in the public. They were out in the public square preaching mm-hmm. to people. They were not off in some headquarters uh-huh. somewhere. I also like the idea, we just have to be careful. We live in a world, we've always lived in the world, that a very charismatic and attractive personality. Yes. And you, people can get caught up in that. And you need to look to, first of all, what the person is saying. The yep. content of the message, is it true? And also the character of yeah. the person saying it. Are they a servant? Mm-hmm. Or, are they, or are they just out there building their own brand? Exactly. Yeah, all allegiance to God. I guess it's the idea that Paul wasn't anyone's guru. Yes, do not do the guru thing. You don't need that because that's man-made Yeah, he was nobody's private advisor. Mm -hmm. He was there accessible Mm -hmm. to all unbelievers and believers, and he would teach and spend time with anyone who wanted to hear the truth. All right, Mark, what a great scripture hike. Thank you, thank you for leading the way. It was good. Is Bella? Bella um, bugged out on us. She did? Yes. Oh, she's not in the chair next she's to you now. She's not in the chair. Oh, man. That story you told at the beginning oh. blew her away. Yeah. She, she just had to go and... Go take a nap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's a sensitive kitty. She is.